Mark chapter 4, 35 through 40. I was um, praying this week on what to talk about, and I stumbled across the passage of which I'm sure comes as no surprise to any of us here, meaning that we're familiar with this story. But I read something in the passage this week that kind of just stuck out to me. Uh, and I remember different impasses in my life where uh, this, this, for these couple of words were words that I actually used at various times of struggle, at various times of crisis. So let's read the text. It's five verses hanging out there in Mark chapter 4, 35 through 40. It says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus said to them, that's important that we understand who the he is. It's Christ. Let us go up across to the other side and leave the crowd. They took him up, him, Jesus, to the boat just as he was. And the other boats were with them. And with great, and a great windstorm, excuse me, arose, and the waves, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to clean myself up too, um, were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling with water. But Jesus, this is interesting to me, Jesus is asleep in the stern on a cushion. I mean, how bad could this storm really be? Have you ever thought about that? I'm like, you know, the last thing I'm going to be doing Ways be crashing in on a boat is sleeping on the stern. I'm going to be up and be like, what do we need to do, right? Or maybe it's this. Maybe the disciples are about to be overdramatic about what's going on. Have you ever thought about that? Anyways, let's go on. And they woke him up saying, Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The disciples, in my opinion, asked something that's commonly asked by every believer at one point or another. And that is, Lord, do you even care? Have you ever asked the Lord that? Has there ever been even the slightest of an internal kind of, Lord, do you even care? Or maybe you have gone as far as me and said, Lord, do you see what's going on in my life? Do you even care? Jesus had just spent a fair amount of time, friends, displaying and teaching his disciples about faith, authority, and yes, he even taught about God's care for them. For Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34, he said this, to his disciples prior to the storm. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body not more than clothing? Look at these birds of the air, Jesus says. They neither sow nor weep nor get, um, reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And here it is. Are you not more valuable than they? In the Gospel of Luke, matter of fact, in every Gospel, we get a play-by-play -play account of things that the disciples witnessed prior to being in that boat that day. Let's just go through some of them, shall we? Let's start in Luke chapter 1, 21 and 22. First, 
thing that made the disciples marvel at Jesus was the authority he spoke with to the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the synagogue. Secondly, in Luke chapter 1, 23 through 26, they had witnessed a man with an evil spirit be delivered. Then we go a little bit further into Luke chapter 1, 29 through 31, and we see that Simon's mother-in-law got healed by a fever. As a result of that, the Bible says a great number of people were brought to Jesus. Those who were sick and demon-possessed were brought to Christ. In Luke chapter 1, 33, it says that the, the whole city at one point was gathered at Simon's door to where, the fa- where Jesus had to withdraw and leave the city to go to a less populated area because the hype of what was going on, the, the things that were in the people that were circling around Jesus at the time was, was monument, was massive. These are just some of the things that the disciples had witnessed before they were faced with a storm that they may have even been overdramatic in assessing (laughs) the degree of the storm. Can, Can anybody relate to that? Have you ever made something bigger than what it really is or am I alone? I am like a drama queen when it comes to that. Then the following day, Jesus heals a leper. Leprosy was like the cancer of our day. You know, in the day of Jesus, I mean, the physician was walking the ground and the the rumors were were starting to, uh, to go loose throughout the city and people were starting to gather. Jesus was a rock star. My point is this, the disciples had seen so much in such a little time such a little time that you would think at this point their faith would be off the charts. I imagine what would, what would be, what, what, where would I be had I seen a fraction of what they saw when I was faced with the storm? They had seen so much in such a little, such little time that their faith, I believe, should have been off the charts. But the first sign of crisis, the first sign of fear, what does it say? They panicked. They feared for their lives and said, Jesus, do you not care? That's the way it goes sometimes in life, doesn't it? Jesus could be doing all sorts of wild and crazy things. He could speak to our hearts and assure us of his love for us and the care that his father has towards us and with us. But yet at the slightest bit of adversity, we're like, ah, Jesus, don't you care? We're about ready to die. But meanwhile, Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And here's the wild thing. Here is the wild thing. Jesus will give us opportunities to realize how much faith we have or how much faith We do not have. After all, it was Jesus who led the disciples on that sea adventure. They weren't out of the will of God. It was was God who suggested that they get into the boat and go for a little journey. Oh, we're going to get there. (laughs) 
Jesus had already shown himself to have power over demons. He had already shown himself to have authority when he spoke. He had already uh, shown himself to have authority over sickness and disease. And now he's about ready to show his disciples that I have authority over nature. Look out of my way. You know, the interesting, about, the interesting thing about the disciples' observation of the miracles that Jesus moved in is quite interesting. It always says that they just sat there and marveled. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if that was like a, or if that was like, I wonder if they were filled with the awe of God or if they were just like, well, that was interesting. You know, long, long just, what do we make of that? I imagine it was a little bit of both, right? Imagine there was a little bit of both going on. Nevertheless, I believe as Jesus calmed the storm, he also created the storm. With that being said, I wonder how intentional Jesus was in that moment just sleeping. Maybe, maybe Jesus is like, I'm good for now. I've already done this long list of things I've already taught you that I want to send you out to do the same. I'm just going to sleep here, see what happens. I'm just going to see what, see what happens. Jesus calmed the storm, but he also created the storm. I believe Jesus was intentional about sleeping through the storm. Maybe Jesus, maybe there was something in Jesus' heart where he wanted them to stop marveling. Start doing it themselves. <laughs> you know, maybe he was just like, okay, I've given you all these types of examples. I, I've convinced you, hopefully, that God loves you and wants to care for you, that you are valuable to him. I, I've taken you up, as we'll get into, to a mountaintop, just the 12 of you, and I, I kind of anointed you to do the same things that I am doing. I've, I've anointed you to go into the world and preach the gospel, heal the sick, now I'm going to give you a chance to see what you do when crisis arises. Mark chapter 3, verse 13, says Jesus went up to the mountain and called those he desired to come with him, meaning his homies, his friends, his disciples. And he appointed them to be apostles with the purpose of sending them out to preach the kingdom that they knew little about to cast out demons where they had no experience up to this point in doing. Talk about a, talk about a, a, a leadership no-no, right, in the body of Christ today. We wouldn't, ever, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't ever in a million years dream to do that. Here you go, like, I'm just appointing you to do the same thing. I've given you some teaching. You have some visible kind of, you know, touch point. You've seen me move in these things. You've seen me heal the sick. Now go ahead and do the same. And, and by the way, let's just start here. Let's start with a storm and a boat, and I'm going to be sleeping. Good luck. Up until this point, they just awed. They just marveled, right? They're like, oh, Jesus, this is so great. All we see up to this point, and I guess my point here is that 
Jesus performed all sorts of miracles. Um, his disciples witnessed them, and they just sat around and kind of like, that's pretty amazing, Jesus. Do it again, do it again, do it again. The chief lesson for us in Mark chapter 4 is about faith and trust in Jesus, right? It, that's what it is. Uh, and we must learn to trust Jesus completely, without a doubt, um, even if our obedience to him leads us into a storm. Let me say it again. The, the main lesson we learn from Mark chapter 4 is to put our trust in Christ. But that trust should be there even if our obedience to trust him leads us into a storm. Meaning, the devil shouldn't get all the credit, friends. God, God, the one who we sang about, the one I'm teaching about right now, will give us opportunities in life. He will lead us through storms to see who our trust is in. Jesus calmed the storm. He created the storm. But he also led them into the storm. It was Jesus that suggested again that they cross this lake. This is so important. They were not outside of the will of God through or in this storm. This is massively significant. The reason it is significant because it's because of this. Most of the body of Christ assumes that the storms in our lives are the result of disobedience. I got two amens. Let me say it again. Most of the body of Christ, most of us, even me, have lived under the delusional thoughts that all storms in life, all crises that kind of surround me are a result of disobedience. But here, it is not the case. God leads his disciples into the storm. You guys are making me work hard. <laughs> now, some would say to follow these thoughts all the way, right, would be absolutely, it wouldn't be helpful, right? If we came to the conclusion, even the fact that I'm saying right now that God created the storm, God calmed the storm, and God led them. You understand that I probably just offended about half of this room. <laughs> because most of us, even though the Old Testament teaches us and the New Testament teaches that God has authority that he is the one that there is not something called mother nature pulling the strings that actually God has authority over the winds <laughs> you know this is the teaching of the Bible I mean we give the devil too much credit we really do God will give us opportunities he will lead us through storms and we shouldn't disqualify it as just the devil trying to get to us and we shouldn't just disqualify it as um, it's, it's something that has to do with disobedience. Listen, if that was the case in Acts chapter 27, Paul himself is on a ship in a boat and God does nothing for a storm that he, he goes through. I, can't get in, I won't get into the details, we don't have time, but if it was the case that God is just up there pulling strings, he's just like the, you know, the storm whisperer, calm down. You know, he's, just, he's up there trying to save us from anything that disturbs us and, and, our, and, and our, 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 our 
kind of viewed as inconvenient and why is this happening? He's not up there pulling the strings. Ultimately, sometimes he will lead us through those things to perfect in us obedience. Even Christ earned or learned, I should say, obedience from what he suffered. That's what the Bible taught. And if it's the case that He's just not up there delivering us from every storm, but he's leading us. Well, he led Paul in Acts chapter 27, excuse me, through a storm. And you know what? He didn't do anything to rescue that. If you read the story, there was a lot of life, lo- life lost, excuse me. A good friend of mine, Daniel Lemmy's becoming a great friend. You got to enjoy him. Um, even though I don't have to cite him, as he has said that... I, he is considering himself as my personal secret weapon. Just thought I'd say that. Back off me. I'm rolling with the big dogs now. But even though he said that I don't have to give him credit for this, I want to. He said this. Sometime God, sometimes, excuse me, God saves us from trouble. And sometimes he saves us in trouble. But sometimes he saves us from death, while other times he uses our death to glorify his name. The only non-charismatics in the room right there just clapping. (laughs) This doesn't seem like a very uplifting message. No, but seriously, let me read that again. Sometimes God will save us in trouble. Sometimes he saves us while we're in trouble. And sometimes he saves us from death, while other times he uses our death to glorify his son. I love that. Thank you, Daniel. What's my point? Two things I want us to take away. Adversity is not always the result or the cause of disobedience. I don't know what crises you're facing today. I don't know what hardships and places that you're in today, that you're in that spot of just saying, God, don't you care? What you need to know is don't let the enemy beat you up and try to lie to you that it is the result of disobedience. Now, I don't want to disregard this either. As a man soweth, he reaps. If you're sowing stupid, you'll get stupid. But if you're doing everything you can to glorify God, don't believe for a moment and don't let the enemy lie to you that every storm in your life is a result of disobedience. Because if if, if the enemy can just get your eyes on that, you will never see the sun through the clouds. You will never see the pockets of where Christ is showing you something in the midst of that storm or the end of the tunnel through that storm. Secondly, God does care. He always cares. He always cares. Let me say that again because some of us need to hear it. God cares, friend. He cares when you are in the thicket of storms and he cares when your life is surrounded by peace and bliss. He he cares when you're in the valley and he cares when you're on the mountaintop. He cares. And don't you for a moment believe anything other than that. Even if you are sowing to the stupid. (laughs) Because even 
in sowing to the stupid, he still cares. Because God can take beauty out of ashes. He can take those ashes of our life and those places we know we shouldn't have sown to the flesh. And through repentance, he can bring beauty out of that. So allow him. But you will never begin to allow him if you let the enemy lie to you. If you drink the Kool-Aid and you start to believe that every storm and every crisis and every financial hardship, every marital hardship, every hardship is, is, is designed to keep you back and is a result of your disobedience. God wants to partner with us even through the storms of life. I say that God is more close in the storms of my life than he is when things are awesome. I don't know, there's some, I remember my son some years ago, uh, we're fighting Lyme's disease some years ago. Thank God we got the victory. He's, he's healed, God's good. But some time ago we were battling this thing. I have never felt God closer to my heart in all of my life. Here I am broken and saddened, but I had never felt the love of God so burning in my heart. But it was in crisis. It was through a storm. And I very much did say many times, God, don't you even care? Why, why did the tick bite me? I mean, it sounds weird, but I prayed it. But, but the lessons I learned through it, and, and I know you're like, well, God's going to use your son. I don't know how God works. All as I know, he did something beautiful in my heart through the process of crisis. He did something beautiful in my heart through something that was hard to walk through. He did something beautiful in my relationship with him in a time where I was, God, don't you care? Ultimately, God did care and had for my son healing. He healed Abram from Lyme's disease. And so it was but a season, but it was a dark season, but it was also a beautiful season. Not every storm in your life today is one created by the devil or your disobedience. Some of them are just God leading you through them to see where your trust is placed, who it is placed in, what it is placed in. And that is important to God because he will have no equals he will have nobody sharing the stage, you know, of our hearts. Like, no, that's mine. No, your money, your money is, no, that can't be where your security comes from. You can't put your trust in your bank, your family. No, 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 love them, but they're, they're, they're not me. And I will not share myself with them. Just a couple of examples. God wants to do beautiful things in our lives. And ultimately, I believe that if we can have a bit of a paradigm shift, a heart kind of, okay, and just realize, and I hate to be repetitive, but I feel like it needs to be said again, just realize that some storms we face are, have nothing to do with our disobedience. If we can just hold on to that truth, oh, we will not only treat those storms differently, we might even become a little bit sick and, and, and want more of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I, I continually pray that God would do in my heart what he did when my son was going 
through fighting Lyme disease. I'm not praying that he'd give him Lyme disease. Again. I mean, you understand? I'm, I'm praying that God, I don't know what it was, God, but bring me back to the place where my heart was tender. And if you got to get my attention through leading me through a storm, I don't want it, but God, do it if you have to, because it's my heart I want sensitive. I could take on any storm, but I can't take on the storm if this thing is hardened. I don't know if this is resonating with anybody here, but I only had four pages of notes, and if I went any longer, I would be sinning. Because <laughs> I would just be trying to fill up time. But I feel this. How many are going through storms right now? You, you're just, I mean, I'll raise my hand. <laughs> how many of you honestly feel like you are just in the thicket of a good raging storm? God, raise your hands. Raise your hands all around the storm. The Bible says that if one suffers, we all suffer. There's something about storms. There's something about crisis that, 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 that really causes the heart to suffer. And there's nothing more precious and beautiful than when the church comes around the church. <laughs> when, when believers come around unbelievers who are maybe uh, experiencing storms right now in their life, and I hate to be even repetitive with saying storms and storms over, but it's the only word I know how to attach to it given the message. But I, but I want to pray for you guys today. I, I, listen, this was so deeply encouraging to me. But if I had somebody just, and I did actually, Mr. Will Eifler, it, it was a heck of a week. And you know what? That man pressed into me. He prayed for me. He just let me know that he looks, I'm here. I'm here. And, and we all need people like that. And we have a big group here that can be there right now in prayer for these people. So raise your hand again. If you feel like you're in a storm, we're just going to do an exercise I want everybody who's not raising their hand to start gathering around these people. I know it gets awkward and uncomfortable. Guys, we're the church. It can't be any more awkward than you all coming up and praying for me and Bethany. So let's do it. Keep your hands up. If you feel like the storm is raging. Now nobody, nobody gets left without being prayed for. Find somebody. If you're not in that storm today, then encourage somebody who might be. Keep your hands loud and proud. Lift them up, guys. Now just gather around them. Gather around them. It's all right. It's all right. There you go. There you go. 